0: Please remain standing. In Jesus' day, it was customary, before the Scriptures were read and they were addressed by God, that the people would recommit themselves to God as the one true God. And so we'll do that. If you'll repeat after me, we'll do some Hebrew of the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, and then we'll do it in English. If you'll repeat after me. Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Adonai Ahad. Hero, O Israel, the Lord is your God, the Lord alone, love the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might, amen. Let's remain standing and be addressed by God through Deuteronomy. Then Moses climbed Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab to the top of Pisgah, across from Jericho. There the Lord showed him the whole land, from Gilead to Dan, all of Naphtali, the territory of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev and the whole region from the valley of Jericho, the city of Palms as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to Moses, This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said I will give it to your descendants. I have let you see it with your eyes, but you will not cross over into it. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. He buried him in Moab, in the valley opposite Beth Peor. But to this day, no one knows where his grave is. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak, nor his strength gone. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. Yesterday, I saw Indiana Jones. And I'll have to agree with my wife's assessment. Harrison Ford doesn't look too bad for his age. I've got to be thinking there are poss- more possible Indiana Jones movies that could come. And, and I was thinking of all the biblical stuff that he could still find that supposedly is lost. I mean, we've been looking for Noah's Ark for years and years and years. Perhaps he could find it. Now, you'd have to violate international airspace and a few other treaties, but, but it is possible that you could locate Noah's Ark. I think it's also possible that he could look for David's tomb. When you go to Jerusalem, the the tour guides will tell you there's David's tomb, but that's built several centuries after Jesus. Not likely to be his tomb. Though I did read in the paper a few weeks ago that archaeologists think they may have found it. But the problem, of course, with Noah's Ark or with David's tomb is there are no miraculous or special powers that go along with it, so I'm not sure he'd want to find that. But I've got another one. I think Indiana Jones should look for Moses' burial place. Now, granted, there are no special powers that we know associated with Moses' burial place. But what a challenge this would be. Because the crystal skull or uh, the Ark of the Covenant or uh, or the grail were all things that were lost due to time and people misplaced. But Moses' death place, that's completely different. We're told that God hid it on purpose. Imagine the challenge of finding something that God had hidden. Well, if you were going to look for Moses' burial place, where would you start? Well, some movies ago, though he contradicted it in this last movie, Indiana Jones would tell the students that archaeology starts in the library. So let's go to the book. What does the book say about Moses and what he was doing when we last saw him? In Deuteronomy 34, the last time people see Moses, he's climbing. He's climbing Mount Nebo. That may not sound like a big deal to you, but I'm going to tell you this. Mount Nebo is a mountain that takes several hours to climb. And secondly, Moses is 120 years old. Amazing. He's making his way up this mountain. The last thing they see is a guy that's pretty feisty. A guy that didn't walk into retirement. A guy that didn't just move to Florida and shut it down. A guy that continued, continued to pursue God to the very end. When we look for Moses, we better recognize that one of the clues about Moses' life is he just simply never quit on his pursuit of God. Wherever God was going to call Moses, Moses was going to go no matter the effort or the energy that was required. Last time anybody saw Moses, he was climbing Now, what the Bible tells us about Moses is when he finished the climb and got to the top, the next thing he did is he surveyed. We're told that God showed Moses all the land. From there, he could see all the way to the the Mediterranean, about 20 miles away. He could see the desert. He could see the fertile areas. He could see all of the promised land. But God's not giving Moses a tour. What we understand is that God is allowing Moses to survey the land. This is a land rush. And Moses is, is claiming it for God's people by doing a survey. He's marking off the boundaries. The land belongs to Moses and his people. But here's what is fascinating to me. As Roger pointed out, Moses will never live there. Moses is taking a land survey. He's staking a claim to a place that he will never go. He, a place where he will never be allowed to. What's Moses doing when we see him last? Well, he's climbing because he's still pursuing God, and he's surveying because he's interested in leaving a legacy. He's doing something on the, for the benefit of others beside himself. Now, he's not the first of the fathers of Israel to do this. We're told that when Abraham was in the Promised Land, he planted a tamarisk tree. Now. You know, to North Americans, that sounds like, well, we're, we're glad that, uh, that Abraham is interested, you know, in gardening or horticulture. But here's the deal. It takes centuries for a tamarisk tree to grow large enough to do anybody any good, to provide any shade at all. What's Abraham doing? He's planting a large shade tree for the generations of people who will come behind him. He will never sit under it. He will never get any benefit from the shade, but he's planting it nonetheless. He's leaving a legacy for those who go behind him. Whether he benefits or not is not the issue. It's what will happen to those who come behind. One of the interesting things that uh, I did when we went to Israel is oftentimes when you're on a rough path, and and most of them are rough, um, there are always rocks in the way. What our leader did is he would pick up a rock and take it off the path. So since we all did what the leader did, that meant 50 other people took a rock off the path. He said rabbis had been doing that for 3,000 years, just almost 3,000, clearing the path. And what they were teaching their followers was, in this life, we are to go through it in such a way to make the way easier for those who come behind us. And I think that's what 410 construction is about, but I'm not sure. We t- Memorial Day. We honored our living veterans. And we thought of others who in their service and sacrifice stood a pretty good chance that they would never reap the benefits of what they were gaining for us. That's what Moses is doing. He's doing the work, the claiming, the surveying, not for himself but for everybody who comes behind him. Now, the next thing that we hear Moses did, and, and this is debatable, and I'll put that up front. Uh, what, what the Bible says is Moses died by the word of the Lord. Uh, in Hebrew, our version today said died according to God's word. Well, for a lot of people, that just meant, go, you know, God said Moses was going to die, so he died. But for the Jews, they, the rabbis read it a little differently than that. By the word of the Lord, they assumed meant by God's mouth which meant one of two very interesting things. Either one, God said to Moses there on the mountain, okay, Moses, die. And Moses dies. Or, said the rabbis, that God, with God's mouth, takes Moses' life. And so the tradition was that God gave Moses a holy, sacred kiss. And Moses passes with the kiss of God in an intimate moment. This is not like kiss cam at the Spurs game or, or the Rangers game, you know, where they, they flash the crowd and, and you've got to decide if you want to kiss the person who's with you at the game. This is a very, very private gesture. But what it reflected was the years of intimacy between God and Moses. We're told a few verses over that I didn't to you that, that no one has arisen like Moses since the day of Moses who knew God face to face. What do we learn about the last days of Moses' life? We learn that he was very involved in an intimate, personal relationship with God. So intimate that in the end, God took his life in a very intimate and personal way. I got the realization several years ago that there were any number of people who could preach on Sunday morning, Donna, Dinah, Michael, uh, Scott, Mark, any of them could do that as well as I could. Any of them could conduct weddings or funerals or or run meetings. But what I realized was when the time came, none of them would give an account to God of my relationship with God. And I began to realize how I'd often put my activities for God ahead of my relationship with God. But when my number is called, when the time comes, I'm the only one who can give an account for the relationship that I was to have with God. And I think Moses knew that. There were all sorts of leadership activities in which Moses was engaged in, but the most important thing was to walk with God day by day, face to face, personally. And the last thing that we see of a clue about Moses is he just vanished. No one knows where his body went. No one knows. God hid it in a spot that no one could find. Why did God do that? Well, it seems one of the possibilities is that God never wanted us to make a shrine of Moses, either the place of his death or even of his personality or person. God didn't want the people to stop at Mount Nebo. God wanted the people to go into the promised land to keep following God. God had never meant for the people just to assume that one place or one person wrapped up all that they were. I don't know if you've ever met anybody like that, but there was some Sunday school class or some spiritual retreat or some event in their life that marked like the high point of their faith and everything else was measured by that. And everything else needed to look like that or it wasn't legit or God couldn't be in it. God never intended that. God never intended that any moment of our life would be as high as it got, that no moment of our life would be as close to God as we would ever get. God never intended that we would stop at Moses' grave or anywhere else, but that we would keep going. One of the interesting things is that for the Jews, there's nothing more significant than the Torah, the first five books of Moses. But when you end the first five books of Moses, the people are not even in the promised land. It's almost as if God is saying, you think the destination is the deal. But I'm going to tell you that the instructions I've given you for life have been about the journey. It's about walking with God on the way, going where God calls you. It's never about getting there, wherever there is. Moses dies outside the promised land. The first five books of the Bible, upon which all the the Jewish faith really flows, from which it all flows, ends with the people outside the promised land. It was never about the destination. It was always about the journey, about continuing to move. You could never say, I've arrived. This is as far as I can go with God. This is all of God I will ever know. This is all I will ever experience. God never intended that we would ever reach that point. There was a rabbi who taught for years at Vanderbilt. One of the interesting things in his class is he never called God by God's name Never, never uttered the name Yahweh. Instead, every time he referred to God, he, he would use another name. So finally, toward the end of the semester, one of the students raised his hands and says, Professor, Rabbi, of all the names that you use for God in a semester, what is your favorite? And he said, my favorite name for God is the place. My favorite name for God is the place. You see, God is the destination. So as we're walking along the way, we are in the place. We are with God. It's not that we're looking to arrive. It's, lo- it's that we're continuing to journey, continuing to see what God has to show us, to be who God has called us to become. What is interesting to me is not that God placed Moses' body in a place where no one could ever find it. What's interesting to me is, according to the Bible, no one ever bothered to look. Look. Because they knew. They knew there's no person, there's no event, there's no time that we enshrine and say, this is as good as it gets. That's not biblical. God is always out in front of us. Cloud by day, fire by night, Jesus and his disciples always moving out in front of us, inviting us to follow. There's always more that God will show us. I'm reminded of Soren Kierkegaard's parable in the 19th century. He talked about a circus was coming to town. There was a boy who lived outside the town and he saw the handbills uh, advertising the circus. And so he was so excited, he went to his father and asked if he could go to the circus. And his father said, yes, he said, but you need to do these chores. So he did the chores willingly, joyfully. And when he finished, his father gave him the money. He said, go into town, and enjoy the circus. So he took the money and he went into town and he got there just in time for the entrance of the circus into the town. And there in a parade was a band playing clowns behind the band, elephants behind the clowns, tigers and lions in cages, and acrobats in their uniforms. And on and on the train and the parade went. As he saw this, he was so excited by the parade that he went took all of his money, gave it to one of the clowns and went home. He saw the parade. But he didn't see all that was still there to be seen. I tell you that story because I don't want any clown to convince you that you have experienced all that God has to give you in life. I don't want any clown to tell you that you've done your part that you can rest, that you can stop climbing. I don't want any clown to tell you that it's about a goal that you reach. I don't want any clown to lead you astray. Life is not about the destination. It's about the journey with God and all that God has yet to show and give us.